Good morning, everyone. Woo! Man, God is on the move and doing something fantastic. And aren't you excited to be a part of that? Come on, aren't you excited to be a part of that? Amen, amen. Uh, I just, I don't even, I, we can't start yet. Is that okay? Would you just close your eyes and put your hands out? I just feel like we can't go yet. Hmm. Right now. Foo. Jesus. 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 Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your brokenness to heal my brokenness. Thank you for shedding your blood, for being the ultimate sacrifice that I didn't have to, but I now get to experience that free gift that comes from you. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, man. I don't know, I've just been feeling this like all morning as I was preparing and into the night, stayed up quite late trying to prepare and get this morning's message ready and, and, uh, and just really felt that it was just time to just sit in his presence. Whew. It was time just to just sit with him and what he wants to do. I've shared before, I didn't, I didn't, my father passed away when I was 11. I know I'm being super vulnerable, but just be with me for a moment. My father passed away when I was 11 and it still hurts at times. It still has some of the pain. And for those of you that have lost loved ones, you know. And um, a couple weeks ago, it just was really feeling it. And normally before I get up here, normally Pastor Lynn will always reach over. You'll see him, he'll reach over and he'll put his hand on my back and he'll pray for me. And, it was, and it's always amazing and it's powerful when he does. And he's a hugger. That's how he is. I'm not much of a hugger. It's not who I am. But I'll never forget a couple weeks ago, he just put his arm around me and he hugged me. In that first moment, my flesh kicked in. I kind of wanted to be like, whoa. But then I started feeling that it's not from him, but it's from Papa God. And even right now, I can feel it. My heart's beating fast and can feel that weight of that arm around me and, and just feel like this morning it's here for you. That what's been given to me is released to you this morning. That what's been, what's been put onto my life, that this morning I want to release it into your life. to release it into your life, into your situation, and to release it into your, into your, your house, into your car, that wherever you go, you feel it. We, that we talk about, it's not just something that we use as a cliche, but it's something that's real and tangible, 
that he's a real God. He's not in a tomb. We don't have a statue of him. In fact, we've got an empty cross as a declaration that he didn't stay there. That he didn't stay there. That he rose again so that he can meet with you and I this morning. That he can meet with you and I every time I get up in the morning. Even when I'm having dreams, he's there. That he's a real God. And I just feel that this morning, ah, there's just this awakening that's coming inside of us this awakening that I wanted to be inside of me inside of you as we walk and talk with him as but we know his voice we know his truth that he's saying to each and every one of us that I am his child and he is my father and I, you may be like me and maybe have been fatherless for a long time and you've been wandering for a long time but today I want to tell you that if he did it for me I know he can do it for you that I know that I am no longer, the Bible says I'm no longer an orphan, but I'm adopted into this beautiful, amazing, wonderful family of God. And so for you and I this morning, that is what we get to experience and feel. We get to experience the love of our Father, which might be kind of difficult, which might be kind of hard to know. But the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, from the Father above, to whom there's no, there's no changing, there's no shadow of turning, there's no wavering, there's no bipolar, bipolar uh, characteristics, that the Bible says that he is good, and that's how he's always going to be. That his love and mercy is always going to be around us. And you and I get to experience that today and experience his love that he has for us. just really feel that sickness if you've got a sickness in your body would you just put your hands out actually if you wouldn't mind if it'd be okay would you put your hand in the air and everybody let's if you'd look around and see if there's somebody next to you that has their hand in the air and they need healing this morning they need a touch from God and so would you stretch out your hands to the person around you if you're not close enough to be able to put their hand put your hand on them you just stretch your hands out Come on, this is what we're called to do. We're called to be a family. So right now, in the name of Jesus, oh, in the name of Jesus, I speak against, I declare the power and healing power of God over every single body this morning. Whether it be your head, from migraines to, to eye problems, to floaties in the eyes, to your shoulders whew, rotator cuffs right now in the name of Jesus I feel like a, an elbow or right elbow if that's what you've been feeling that's what we're saying is going to be healed this morning knees in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus stomach pain stomach issues 
the name of Jesus. Yeah. Financially, I just feel like there's somebody here in the house or somebody that you just need financial blessings, financial favor, and we declare that over you this morning. Financial favor. Not just financial favor, though, I feel like to also say good stewardship of those finances that are coming into your life. That it's not going to be like money just throwing at a fire, but you're going to start knowing how to save and invest. Save and invest for your family and save and invest so you can invest back into the kingdom. And so all loneliness, we say you have to go. Spirit of loneliness, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. They are a part of the family of God. They are not alone, but we stand united as one. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Okay, I think we can maybe go. <laughs> mm. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing, for the work that you started in people's lives this morning. And that you're not a God, you're a God that, that doesn't leave things incomplete, half-hearted projects, but that you, com- you start it and you complete it. And so we thank you for the finished work that you have completed on the cross. That this morning we have released heaven into people's lives. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Let it be in, in Valley Church this morning. Let it be on our minds that we would be renewed of our, renewing of our mind to be washed in the blood that that cleanses us from all infirmity, that cleanses us from all sickness, that cleanses us from all mistakes, that cleanses us from all hurt and pain, that we get to stand as righteous children of God. That we get to stand, not, not a sinner in the hands of an angry God, but children in the hands of amazing Father. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I promise I do have notes. <laughs> I do have feel like, a, like God has really been speaking to me the last couple days, and I want to be able to share that with you guys. We might not be able to get through all of it, because um, as you can tell, we're just going to kind of let Holy Spirit move. And so if we've got to stop for any moment, I just want him to just have his way. So John chapter 5, John chapter 5, verses 5 through 15, we're, we're going to talk about the woman at the well. And there's so much to unravel and unpack 
here in this chapter. And I, I wish we had, we, we could be on it for days and weeks, but I'm just going to give you some brief snapshots of what's being talked about or what's going on and some things that really stood out to me as I felt like God was wanting to bring this morning. So John chapter four, I love the book of John. That has been like my go-to, my spot, as you could tell, because last time, I believe I preached on John 10, and then pastor gets up today and starts talking about John 6, and now I've taken you to John 4, so it's going to be a great time. So John chapter 5, starting with verse number 5, it says, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave to his own, his own son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me to, for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give it to you. Ah, okay, we're going to have to stop. Because <laughs> Jesus replied and said, if you only knew the gift God has for you. How many times have we missed that moment of knowing the gift that he has for us? How many times have we, we, we've been so wrapped up with the things around us or the circumstances or the trials, but yet we've missed the very gift that he has for us? The gift, and it's a free gift. It's not something that we have to work up, stir up, or try to, to work for, but it's something that he already has for each and every one of us. That all we have to do is ask, because he said, if you, if you knew the gift that, you, that I had, the gift of God that was for you, you would be speaking to, you'd be asking me, can you give me a drink? I love this because Jesus is saying, listen, all you have to do is ask. And that's hard to do sometimes, especially in our culture or especially in our society when men, we have to, we don't, we can't ask for help. We'd rather try to figure it out on our own than try to read the instructions. Amen. My wife used to tell me, try to look on Pinterest so you could figure it out. I said, I'm not downloading Pinterest to my phone. Like, I'm a man. I don't have Pinterest. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've got Pinterest on my phone now. Um, it's got really great ideas. I'm just saying. <laughs> but asking for help doesn't mean that we're, but asking for help doesn't mean that we're weak. It means that I'm strong and I realize I can't do it by myself. A healthy person will ask for help. She said, so uh, asking for living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's thinking he, he's going to give her some type of another well or some other thing. There's something else going around here. You don't even have a bucket and a rope. She said, because this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, don't you think you're, do you think you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? I mean, Lady, I'd probably have the exact same questions though. Like, where are you going to get this from? How can you offer better water than he and his sons, speaking of Jacob and Joseph, than he and his sons, Jacob, excuse me, speaking of Jacob, than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? She's relying on what she knew to try to bring about 
a new revelation to her. She relies on her traditions that have been said, it's Jacob's well, this is where we go to get satisfied. And now she's meeting the person who's actually going to bring true satisfaction to her life. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Other translations will say that it's the Holy Spirit that will be, begin to be breathing inside of them. Um, it's, it's the water that's not going to ever cause us to be thirsty. And I love her response because she says, please, sir, please. She's begging him. The woman said, give, the, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back here to get water. We're going to jump to verse 38. We're going to kind of hop in chapter 4. Verse 28. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Yes, Send me to the person who busts me out. Come and see and, and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then, the, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus busts you out? Isn't that cool? I love being with friends that bust you out. We were with some friends on Friday night, and my wife busted out the wife. It was super funny. And I was like, great, babe. They're never going to invite us back for dinner again. Um, but it's this thing where he, it wasn't like he was there to bring guilt and shame, but he was there to bring out and, and bring above. And that's the thing is that we may say, well, he just busted me out. But what Jesus was really doing was calling some gold out of her life that this lady had, hadn't had in a very long time. You see, he, first we realize that, or we read into the story, and, and John's descripting uh, a, a path that Jesus is going to go from the northern, he's going to go from one city to the next, but he has to pass through Samaria. And they did, they, and Jews at that time were very upset with people, um, the Samaritans, because they were considered half-breeds because their ancestors from before had been taken over by a, a, a different country that had come in and conquered them. And the Jewish people were now mixing um, with the people that had conquered them and were creating uh, another culture had given up on the, the, the standards or given up on the things that they felt like had been given and they were trying to keep holy and now was considered unclean. So when Jews would go from one city to the next, they would go around the city, completely go around. They wouldn't go through it because they considered them like dogs. They considered them very low people. And here Jesus says, I'm going to travel from one area to the next, but I'm going to go through Samaria. It's interesting to note that here is the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, Jesus, who was the word from the very beginning. 
that he wants to go through a place that would be considered messed up or would want to go through a city that is considered unclean because I'm sure that the disciples are questioning him, but Jesus in his mind knew that there was a very specific person that he was going to meet. And what's, what's so cool about it is, is, and is that he was willing to go through the mess to find me. And a lot of times we believe that we have to get good, or we have to get good before we ever come to God, and yet the whole time he's saying, you're going to get me, and then you're going to become good. We feel like we have to have our ducks in a row, and we feel like we have to um, have, go through our different step programs so we can be able to be a conqueror and go through these certain things before we ever actually come to Jesus, where he will be accepting of us, because sometimes in human nature is that we, our love has contingencies, our love comes with the, the fine print, and so we expect our Heavenly Father to be the exact same way. And yet that's not it at all because he, he, he operates in a whole different realm, a heavenly realm than actual natural humanly realm. And so when we actually um, um, come to him, we actually are able to receive that free gift with no strings attached. There's no fine print. Well, there is a fine print with him and that simply says you just got to live holy. You just got to have to pick up your cross and follow me. That's all you're going to have to do. Well, the cross is heavy and it's bulky and there's thorns. And, you know, I'm not much of a nature person. You know, um, Pastor Lynn was talking about going out and going hunting. And I was like, I can't even grow a beard, you know. (laughs) 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 One time we had, uh, no, no. One time we had a a baby dedication and I was standing. Pastor's like, I want you to be up here and pray for the people. And I said, Pastor, I don't have enough facial hair to be able to pray for them. I said, because they all came up with these big old beautiful beards. And I was like, man, I can't even buy a fake one and glue it on. (laughs) You know, and... um, and so, and we start to, we start to say, well, I, I got to, you know, I, I, I want to serve God, but I just don't think I can because there's something that, you know, I don't quite know because to carry the cross is going to take all my attention. It's going to take all my affection. It's going to take all my strength. It's going to take away the things that I feel like I have put above God or that maybe I didn't want to, but has then now taken its place because I would rather sit and and binge a certain type of TV show rather than actually be in my word. And it starts to get kind of like hard when it's like, well, no, you actually have got to lay everything down and pick up your cross. And it's not even just your cross, it's like his cross. And we get to walk with him, and sometimes it feels heavy and weary and crazy. But what's so awesome is that, you know, sin, when it comes into our life, it's, it's that great glimpse of a moment, and then it, it has this eternal impact on us. But yet, it's Jesus Christ who says, when you pick up your cross, it's going to have this eternal impact on you. It's going to be this eternal impact on you that is going to cause you to walk on streets of gold and not just walk on streets of gold, but be able to see Jesus face to face. And it's going to be things, it's going to be tough and rough and hard and and crazy at times. Yeah, it is. But yet we want to walk through it because we know the end game. We know where we're going to end up. We know that we can come out victorious in him and through him. Right? Yeah. And it's not of something that we do ourselves, but it's something that he does through us and in us. 
when we allow ourselves to be submitted to him that yes, he may bust us out or he may call us out or call us on the carpet a time or two, but I know it's because he's not bringing the guilt or the shame, but what he's bringing me in is into responsibility and accountability with him. <laughs> okay. So we see where Jesus now meets this lady. And a lot of times we feel, sorry, I have to go back to my notes because we totally skipped over it. <laughs> so we meet this lady, and I, and I love these verses, so I wanted to share them with you. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. 23 through 26. Um, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yes! Everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of glorious standards. Doesn't that make you feel warm and tingly inside? Yet, here's the warm and tingly part. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God pre uh, presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. They're made, we're made right with God when we put, us, put our side of self and we believe that Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we find where Jesus is sitting at the well. And I had to give you those verses so that we knew exactly that it wasn't about that we may be walk or have our own Samaritan, we may have our own Samaria and our own circumstance, situation, and here comes Jesus to encounter us. He starts talking with this woman that he's not culturally supposed to be able to talk with. Not only does she come from a certain geographical background, but because of her gender, because of where, what, who she is, people have already outcast her because the Bible says that she came at noon when according to traditions or according to culture, they were supposed to go in the very beginning of the day. All the ladies would gather their jars and they would head to the well to gather the water for the day. But yet here's this lady that had felt probably so guilty and shame for the mistakes, the failures, the things that she had done. So she decided to isolate herself um, to not be around anybody else. How many of you know that that's the first tool of the enemy that we begin to isolate ourselves because we, we feel like, no, I'm unworthy, or I can't do it, or people are going to find out, or people are going to know. Let's talk about Adam and Eve for a second. When Adam and Eve had already walked and talked with God, they knew what he sounded like. They knew his footsteps. And yet, when they had sinned, the first thing they did was they hid. And so here, sorry, here is where Jesus is talking um, to this lady, and he's not supposed to be. There's three things that he basically, that, that comes against him. First off, again, is she's, she's a woman. Secondly, she's Samaritan. And third, he's about to, he asked her for a drink, and he has no cup. Now, he's not supposed to drink after other people because that would be considered unclean during that time. 
And so she's saying, she's, I'm sure whatever she's going through and everything that she's got, and here she comes to go about her day-to-day operations or her day-to-day routine, and Jesus messes everything up. How horrible is that? How many of you know that Jesus tends to mess up our world? Yesterday I was with our Bible school and they were talking about how Jesus or the Holy Spirit is basically the best party crasher. And this, this gentleman was giving his testimony of how he used to go to parties to even, you know, be with people and yet Jesus, he's leading people to Christ. And it made me laugh because he's like, Jesus is like the ultimate party crasher. He just messes things up when he's got a, when, when I've got a call of God on my life, it's like Jesus won't let me do what I want to do. And that's the way he wants to be with you and I this morning, is that he wants to wreck your world in a good way. <laughs> he wants to mess you up so much that you start to think different, that you no longer believe the lies that have been told to you or the things that have been said to you, but what he wants to do is actually bring the truth of the heart of the Father to you and in you so that you can start to believe the gold that you've buried up because, oh, I've made mistakes and I've, I've done this and I've done that or I've, I've looked at this and I've looked at that. Believe me, I've been there and, and, you're, and I'm talking and I'm, I'm bringing from myself that I know what it is to be able to, 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 to bring that guilt and shame on myself because of something that I may have looked at on my phone and that, 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 that I know I'm not supposed to do, but yet now I've got to come to church and I've got to act holy and righteous, and yet I've got to go about my day, but yet Jesus, the whole entire time, Jesus was pulling at my heart and pulling at my mind and saying, hey, listen, I want to renew your mind so you don't have to think that way anymore. You don't have to believe those things anymore. I want to change your heart that it begins to actually be with the love of God, with the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross because I don't want you to be dead in your sins, but I want you to be alive in the righteousness that we just learned about, that if I confess my sins to him, he is just and able to forgive me of all my iniquity and bring me up. And it gets hard, and it gets tiring, because as, as, as my own self, I guess being probably a little bit probably more vulnerable than probably I should have, um, but, but it, you, get, you get tired of trying to cover up your guilt and your shame. You get tired of trying to walk in that thing, and yet the whole entire time, Jesus is like walking behind me like, dude, I'll take it for you. Just give it to me. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, and I'm trying to walk around being like, no, I want to carry this weight on my shoulders, but that's not it at all, is that Jesus wants to lift me up and take it all the weight off of my shoulders. And the same thing, if he did it for me, I know whatever you're walking in here today with, I know what you can walk out with, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can walk out of here with rest. You don't have to keep, keep having these sleepless nights or these, these night terrors, but what you can have is true rest in him. When I'm sitting in heavenly places with him, I understand the authority that he has died on the cross and given a free gift to me, that I get to live with him and breathe with him. Jesus, I, I, I got to go. So, uh, chapter or, uh, four, let's slow down. Chapter four, verse 10. Jesus replied, if you knew only the gift God has for you, you would be, you would be, excuse me, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would be giving you living water. 
if you knew the true gift that God's got for you. How many times as us, as the woman at the well, have been so beat up, have been so guilt-stricken, have been so pushed down, pushed to the side, an outcast of outcast, that even we don't believe that Jesus really has anything for us. That we may think that uh, we know about him now, but placing ourselves into that story, thinking here's this person that's not even supposed to be talking to me is talking to me. That like blows my mind because I used to believe that only really like the pastor would hear from God. I used to believe that only a prophet prophesies. I used to believe that basically only like the, the, the pastor that, that is preaching from the pulpit is the one that is, is hearing and doing, um, is interpreting. And I'm not, I'm not trying to downgrade anybody. I'm not, please, I'm thankful for every pastor that's spoken into my life and every man of God. I'm just saying how I viewed it. And here, Jesus can actually speak to each and every one of us. Here, each one of us can actually hear what we hear from God. And it's interesting to the fact of this lady is pushing everything else to the side because you're not supposed to be speaking to me because don't you understand my guilt? Don't you understand the shame? Don't you know what I've been through? And Jesus is saying, but man, but if our lady, woman, child, for whoever's in here this morning, if you would understand the gift that he wants to empower you, the gift of the Holy Spirit that is there to indwell inside of you, the gift of the Holy Spirit to just make you victorious over the sin, over the guilt, over the shame that is designed to make you rise above it, not to stay in that mess, but to be able to be glorified, to glorify the Father of what he wants to do in your life. Like it's understanding that free gift that it's mine and I get to partake of it. No, I don't get to, and that's what I was saying earlier, like I don't, I don't take it and I don't distort it and I don't um, kind of like a sloppy grace kind of thing where I can do what I want and I know he's going to forgive me. I know he's going to forgive me but I still want to walk close to him because that way when I'm walking closer to him, I've got more of a relationship that I don't have to keep beating myself up with the guilt and shame, but I get to walk in new life with a father that loves me and adores me and cares for me. <laughs> Psalms 17, verse 15. Whew. Psalm 17, verse 15 says, because um, David's writing, it says, because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. Right? Yeah. But David's saying, because I am righteous, I will see you. Not because of anything of my own accord, but because of what you have done in my life, which creates in me the righteousness of God, which I get to stand firm on and upright with, so therefore I will see him. And then I love when he says, I, when I awake, that means I've been sleeping in my sin. That means I've been sleeping with the wrong person, or I've been sleeping, no, whoa, hey, that you've been... <laughs> true though we'll go with that um, sleeping with an enemy that has caused us to be complacent when God is really calling us to arise and to be who God he's called us to be but because the enemy has loaded us to sleep because we have been complacent in our times. That's why Samaritans were so downgraded because they had been conquered and they allowed themselves now to be entangled with the enemy how many times have we entangled ourselves with the enemy still trying to get the blessings of God, but we've still got to pull this way because we've attached ourselves to something? 
Ooh, I'm sweating on that one. He says, when I awake, I will see you face to face. And I'm not just going to see you face to face. I'm going to be satisfied. You're going to satisfy me. You're going to satisfy everything that I've ever desired, everything that I have ever wanted. Jesus, it is all about you, and you satisfy me. Whew. Man, um, the lady's talking, the Samaritan woman's talking to Jesus. They have this whole thing. Please go back, read John chapter four. It's beautiful, it's amazing, it's awesome. Again, I've only got a short amount of time, so I'm trying to give you just kind of little snapshots that really stuck out. But, he's, but she's talking with Jesus and she says, give me that water that I can drink. After they're having this dialogue and they're talking back and forth, let me go back to it here. She's saying, Oops, sorry. She says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again. Talking about Psalms as he's going to satisfy me, right? So she's saying, give me this water that comes only from you, that I will never be thirsty again, and I'll ne I won't have to come back to get water. That phrase stuck out to me. That phrase stuck out to me because she's saying, I'm not going to have to come back to the very thing that I thought would satisfy me from before. She says, I'm not going to have to come back to what I thought would be my livelihood. I'm not going to have to come back to the very thing that I thought would satisfy me because ultimately now I have been given the water that would forever satisfy my soul. That's the phrase that, that caught me because Jesus is all about making things new. He's not about keeping the same, but about making you new today. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, Linda, I'm so sorry. I, I wrote, yes, I wrote you the right one. It's 17, but we're actually going to go through 21. Um, right, there's a 2 Corinthians 5. Yes. I'm sorry, I'll pay for that later. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And yeah, let's give it. A new life has begun and all of this is a gift from God. Here's a gift again. What? It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciliation, reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Jesus. No longer counting sins against them. Um, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, that we could be made right with God through Christ. I'm going to kind of go fast here because we're losing. I lost you some time. So 
he says, Jesus tells her, quick snapshot, he basically tells her, go and get your husband. She says, I've had five. He's like, okay, I know. I mean, it's not like Jesus isn't asking a question without already knowing the answer, right? And then he says, but more than that, the person that, or she, excuse me, she says, I don't have a husband. She's trying to give the answer that she feels like he would, he would suffice, he would know. And Jesus says, yeah, that's great, but I want to go deeper. You've actually had five husbands and the person you're with isn't your husband. Her response was, you must be a prophet. You know, my response would be like, I, I got something else to do. <laughs> like, But he wasn't calling her to the guilt of it. But again, he was calling her to the responsibility and the accountability that it's a free gift. It's a free gift that you get to experience. And it kind of probably was a little bit, it kind of seems like that would have kind of been a little jab, you know, a little bit jabbed to her um, because she, she tries to like change up what, she tries to change the conversation and she says that, you know, okay, God, but, um, you know, you must be a prophet. And, and, and so tell me, if you're a prophet, let's talk about where we need to worship. I mean, she's changing the subject on us. And how many times do we do that, especially when we're found guilty of things, right? And, um, and she's like, you know, so, so what about worship? You know, Jews think it should be here and Samaritans think it should be here. And wh- what do you think? And, and this morning, all of a sudden, we were praying and Christy mentioned this verse of, of Jesus starts saying, but those that worship the Father are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's why I kind of laughed when we, were, when we were praying. I know it wasn't a laughing moment, but I kind of laughed because I was like, whoa. Because worshiping him in spirit and truth means I worship him in the spirit of the fact that it comes from a sincere heart. It doesn't come from a moment of that I wanted to act a certain way, I wanted to be a certain way, or out of performance, but it actually comes out of sincerity because of what he has done for me that I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to worship him not just out of sincerity, but out of truth and knowing who I actually am and who he's called me to be. Not listening to the voice of the enemy or the lies of what's told around about me, but who the word of God actually says that I am. And when I worship him in spirit and in truth, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, we can get so caught up with it's got to be here, it's got to be there, it's got to be doing this, or it's got to be doing that, or we got to do this, or we got to do that. And he says, but you're missing the moment, lady, that that what I really want from you is a true worshiper that's going to worship me in spirit and in truth. And then, and then they start talking again. The disciples come back. They're, they're talking. And the disciples have that moment of looking at him being like, you can't be talking to that lady. But yet they didn't want to interrupt Jesus. I think because they probably knew that he was going to fire back. They didn't want to interrupt him, but in their mind, they were thinking like, don't you know what she, who she is? Don't you know what she's done? Don't you know the mistakes or the failures that have come along? You know, and, and, and at times we can start to feel like the voice of the enemy starts telling us like, you can't be doing that because don't you know what you just did? Don't you know what you've done? Don't you know where you come from? Don't you know the, the, the mistakes? Don't you know that geographically you're not supposed to be like that? Don't you know that, 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 that you're not tall enough, short enough, you're not big enough, not small enough? Don't you know? Excuses just get start piling through our head of that this is the way it's been, so I'm going to start listening. But Jesus is like, listen, I'm not even going to listen to those things. I'm not even going to listen to those things. Even at one point, they're telling Jesus, you need to eat. 
You've got to eat, right? He was thirsty already, but you've got to eat. And he's like, you don't, I'm not eating. You don't know the food that I want. What I want is to be do the will of the Father, and that is to bring the reconciliation people back to him. So I, I, we got to end with this. She left her, her water jug after she talks with Jesus and she says, I want, I want what you've got. I want the living water. Jesus, or excuse me, the disciples come in and, and some people, as you take break apart the verse and I was researching it, that some people say because she was ashamed when the disciples came up, so that's why she ran off. You know, whichever. But Jesus, Jesus talking to her and, and here's the next thing, that she left her water jug and she left and she starts telling everybody of who he is. And here's this man that knew everything I have ever done and yet didn't leave me in my sin, but brought me up and brought me out. She left the very thing that she had gone there time and time again with to be her livelihood, to be her security, to be, to be her, her, her warm blanket. She left the jug of water and she left it at his feet, I think, or she left it, it says at the, at the well, but I think she left it right beside Jesus because she was saying, I don't need it anymore. I've got the real, real relationship now. And she runs off and she's telling people all about this Messiah, all about what he's done, all about who he is, that he, he called me out. He called me into relationship with him. And nothing is said about this jug, and I'm going to end here. Nothing is said about this jug of water. Jesus talks about food because that's what the disciples said. You need to eat. But nothing is talked about the water. And in my imagination, Jesus was still thirsty. <laughs> he, right? He just had this full conversation and he took, took the drink. But as he was taking the drink, I got it in my mind and as I'm watching this unfold, again, I'm having this huge imagination. It's like 1.30 in the morning when I was going through this. And, I have, and I'm having this whole imagination moment with him. And he says, she left the water for me to drink because I'm the only one that can, can drink from it. And I was like, that doesn't make no sense. What do you mean you're the only one she's drinking from it? He said, no, because no one else was supposed to drink from it. No one else was supposed to touch it. No one else can do what I do. So that's why I had to drink from it. And it took me automatically to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying and he tells the Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not your will, but mine be done. So here I come to Jesus with my own jug of water, my own jug of mistakes, my own jug of failures, my own, my own heartache, my pain, my guilt, my shame, and I get to leave it at his feet and he drinks it for me. And he drinks it for me when it should have been me. And he drinks it for me. And then he says, and then we talk about communion. And he says, take and eat and drink because this is my body. Here's the exchange of water. He says, you're not gonna be drinking this tap, nasty, dirty, you know, whatever germ infested water what you're going to be, be drinking is from this heavenly this heavenly fountain that is going to bring life and life more abundant but you have to make that decision do I leave the jug there and follow after what he's got or do I drag it along with me and continue in the mess that I've got myself into
let, let's, let's end. I think that's a good place to end there. I've got more verses, but that's okay. Jesus, you are just doing the work. Thank you for staying with me for a few more extra minutes. But I want you to know that that's the plea that comes to you and I today. That Jesus meets us in the middle of our mess to bring about the greatest miracle in my life. That day she was going about her day-to-day business, (laughs) but it was radically changed by this man named Jesus, who today is the same God, the same Jesus that was there in the Bible is the same Jesus here today. That you get to experience and you get to feel and you get to know, but it's going to take you and I to make that decision. Do we leave that jug of water and do we pick up his cross and follow after him? So would you stand with me? I hope this made sense. Does that make any sense? Okay. A couple of you are like, yeah. The rest of you are like, I got to watch YouTube again. Man, Jesus, you are good. You are good. And here at Valley Church, if it's your first time here, we are so appreciative that you're here with us. If this is your home church, we're so thankful that you came in this morning. If it's your first time, we do ask that you fill out the little card that's in the seat pocket and turn into the, to the coffee shop. We want to hook you up with a free cup of coffee. And, 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 but more than that, more than the free cup of coffee, we do have a ministry team up here that is ready to pray with you. And if not, we've got some area here in the front that you can come and pray yourself. But I want you to know that you don't have to leave the same way that you walked in. But get, you get to leave reconciled to the Father. You get to leave back in true relationship with him. That you don't have to walk in your guilt and shame anymore. You don't have to walk with your head held down, but you get to actually walk with your head held high, not in pride, but in confidence, knowing who I am in him. Of who I am, that I'm a child of the most high living God. And I get to live victorious through him and in him because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross to silence death, hell, and the grave. And you didn't just stay there, Jesus, but you rose again. But you rose again to bring life, to send back the comforter, to send back the, the, the guy that's going to lead us today. And so we are so thankful for what you have done that you didn't want to leave that woman alone. You didn't want to leave her in the mess, but you wanted to bring her out and bring her up and bring her into true relationship with your father. So we thank you for every single person that's here this morning. We ask that you would bless us as we leave, that you would uh, touch our conversations as we get in the car, God, that, that we, would, we would talk as a family, that we would talk with our kids, that, and then the people around us, God, at work tomorrow as we get up in the morning, that you would just have your way through us and in us, that this word would resonate inside of us, God, that you are continuing to do a good work inside of every single one of us, that what the enemy meant for evil, Jesus, you mean for good. And so I'm saying every lie that has been said, we break it off right now in the name of Jesus, that you are not unworthy. You are not uh, shameful. You are not, you are, you are not to hold your head down. You're not to be dragging your feet, but you're to lift up your head in accountability of knowing I am my father's child and he has me by his hand. And so we'd love to walk that relationship with you. We'd love to be able to to co-labor with you as we co-labor with Christ. 
And so we're just so thankful this morning, Father, for what you are doing. Bless us, encourage us, strengthen us. Let your face ever just shine on us as we leave this place. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said...